Down Under Sigma with a special guest, a very special topic. I have, as usual, my co-host, Liam the Shadowhammer. Liam, how are you? Good, sir? I'm great. Just a bit sleepy because it's early in the morning for me, but I'm good. Really good. Yeah, this is this is a little bit different, this time zone. Normally, we do this on a Wednesday, but our special guest, obviously, when we record, would be at hard at work. Uh, unfortunately, uh, doesn't do enough printing to pay the bills to make it a full-time job, so we've had to move it a little bit late. Uh, yeah. But your weekend's going so uh, all right so far, Liam? Uh, just started. I've generally, my weekend's Monday, Tuesday. So, um, like, you're at work. So, actually work. so I'm going to be at work in about two or three hours. So I'll be sweet. It's going to be great. Right. Well, we'll make this a productive and fun conversation. But before <laughs> we get into that, I want to introduce, God, uh, 3D printing God, uh, a guru. The, oh, no. Mate, that, that picture that... Um, uh, who, who made it for you recently? You've got this amazing uh, oh, Twitter so picture. That thing is so, hanging right there now. All right. So so our guest is Anthony, or you might know him from Twitter. A lot of his 3D printing. If you are on Twitter, uh, I don't know if Dave has been putting NashCon pictures up for, on Instagram as well, but uh, Dave has been doing a lot, if not all, of the 3D printing for, for NashCon, uh, which had amazing, amazing, amazing tables. I am super jealous. But Anthony, you are a printing guru, and my God, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. I don't, I don't know. I'd say God, but you know, I fumble my way through enough. You are the deity of uh, 3D printing and all that is filament. I, I every time I unroll a, a roll of <laughs> filament, I pray to the to the gods of Anthony to to bless my filament, my PLA, uh, in order to bless its smooth transition through the nozzle and onto the bed. Very nice. Very nice. I just I made that, that up. Works I don't out know. for you. <laughs> I just made that up, and that made sense. Yeah, I wouldn't do that, but go, go for it. I may start doing that now to guide smooth transition onto the bed, but <laughs> we are going to talk about 3D printing, and the reason for it is uh, there are some good resources on um, on YouTube and the likes. Uh, not a lot of them really focus on the on the wargaming side. Um, certainly there are a lot of different uses for 3D printing, and, and wargames is definitely one. And I wanted to get um, uh, Anthony on the stream to have a chat around um, all of the things that he's learned, hints, tips, tricks, and even a lot of the questions around, like, how do I get started in 3D printing? So mm -hmm. I think this will be a great resource, whether you're watching this live, whether you're watching this on replay. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, Anthony, you've got a lot of good advice. Liam, uh, you are have been watching this from afar, certainly painting my printing uh, as we lead up to Sydney GT. So uh, I'm sure you guys have a lot of questions. Well, I hope you have a lot of questions. Otherwise, this will be a very quick stream. Oh, I got a few questions. It'll be good. Anthony, are you ready? Yeah. I'm always ready. Awesome. Born ready. Born ready. Before we get into this, to the topic, we recently launched a Patreon, and I just want to give a shout out to some of my special patrons that uh, have, are really helping make this channel uh, be great. So shout out to all of these folks here, uh, my assistant coaches, the talent scouts, and the nutritionists. So... Uh, hopefully, uh, no, these guys are really appreciated and, and thank you for that. So this is the first time I've got a shout out like this. So hopefully I've made sense. Cool. So, uh, how's hobby been guys? Uh, have we played some games recently? Are we building some models? What does the world look like for you, Anthony? Uh, played games. Yeah. Just came back from uh, NashCon GT, which is over in Nashville, Tennessee, the heart of America. Uh, run by David Griffin, fantastic event, and that's the 
the impetus of why I bought my 3D printers and, and started Printing Terrain was to help support him in that event and, and the friends I have over there. So, yeah, that was uh, amazing. And now I'm just continuing the, the print to start for next year. And because uh, it never ends, as you, you'll know. And, uh, you know, I've got a small one day event I'm running tomorrow in my local area in North Carolina. So we'll have some three games of fun there. And then I thought I'd figure out what I'm going to do for my next army because I'm getting bored of Stormcast. And that Free Cities, Cities of Sigmar book uh, is really starting to, to pique my interest. So, so I just picked up yesterday my good friend Dave McElroy, um, an old friend who I've played Warhammer with since 4th edition, uh, very big Dark Elf and um, uh, Death player. Uh, he, he just came over from the UK. He's going to be playing at Sydney GT. Um, he's down for a wedding, and he brought me back some Forge World models, including the Forge World Empire Swordsman. So I have 40 of those Manus Blades that I'll be painting up uh, for CanCon in preparation for Cities of Sigma. So I am pumped. Liam, what's going on with you, mate? Uh, I built some trees, more trees, a lot more trees. Yeah, I, I built trees, a lot of trees. And then I've started painting some guy's terrain. So might, yeah, <laughs> some some guy, um, some guy, and then I've played. I think since last time when we had a show, I think I've played now six games of Sylvaneth now with the new book. And the only person who's really beaten me is Dan Brewer, and it's getting really annoying. So um, yeah, we'll, but we'll can, have a game. We'll have a game. We'll see how you. But I'm um, getting practiced with uh, for CanCon already, which is so weird to say. Like it is so weird to say I have to get ready for CanCon, and that's like in five six months. Yeah, just over five months. So just over five months, and then um, yeah, it's gonna be good. Um, yeah, that's my hobby so far. What about you, man? Uh, terrain, 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 and I was at Brizhammer last weekend. So uh, I was I've, I've been traveling a lot for work, and uh, I'll be doing a little bit more travel at the end of this month, uh, which has really taken some time out of um, my tournament prep, which is killing me. Um, but something that is on the cards for for my subscribers and people who are watching this show is um, I'm going to, I've started writing uh, a, a basically a get started to Age of Sigma series. So I'm currently 22 pages in with this document. Uh, it's going to be turned into a series of videos. I don't know when, but uh, I really want to go absolutely back to basic because I've been talking to a lot of really new players who have just gotten started. They're like, look, this game is really confusing. I don't know how to do it. One guy told me it took him eight hours to play a game because every time they had a challenge, they'd have to go and look for videos. They'd look for, you know, FAQs and they'll bounce around between books and, and trying to watch bat reps and trying to understand uh, parts of the game. So I think I'm going to try to tackle uh, maybe with some collaborators. I don't know yet. Uh, but I really want to go to an absolutely get started kind of series and then kind of build that muscle. So uh, I think it's time for me to go back to my roots when I very first started this channel, which was about, you know, the the bare basics of getting started on Sigma. And that's the challenge I'm probably going to start taking on uh, after after Sydney GT. So, Sick. yeah. Sick. Plus, I'm traveling. I can't really paint. So it's a good, time, good way to spend some time. Yeah. Nice. So if anyone has any questions or, or thoughts around what that Get Started looks like or how uh, they've introduced the player to Sigma, I'd love them to go in the comments section and um, chuck down their advice, their thoughts, their opinions, the questions that are really coming up. Um, I know I had one particular person say to me, I don't understand how the allegiance, the allegiances, the Grand Alliances work. 
Um, like, okay, cool. Well, let's let's break down, you know, how uh, a chaos versus a slave to darkness works, and you know, the pros and cons. So that's just one example yeah. of of people like going, well, how do these keywords work, and and what does an allegiance do, and uh, how does this artifacts work, and um, and then adding those layers onto the onion, and I think us yeah. old school people who started with those technically four pages, um, we've kind of grown over time. Uh, a new person just gets all these books and is like, what do I do? Yeah, it is overwhelming at the moment. Like when AOS 2 came. Yeah. And it was like three or four books you had to buy almost. Like you had the core book, yeah. Line Sorcery, and General's Handbook. And I swear there was another book. Oh, and you got your battle time that you have to carry around. So, yes. yeah. Like Anthony, was, Anthony's nodding. That, yeah, that, that is my one criticism of the game is you have to have a bunch of resources. Now, it's nice because GW is good enough that you can put them right on, on your phone and, and reference them relatively quickly. Uh, but having yeah. to carry four books around is a little tiresome and, and reference for depending on what well, it is. I've given up carrying the core book because that book's way too big. It's also, um, for most times, way useless, in all honesty, for, for general play. Yeah, I, I've like, hired, I hire Sherpas at my events now, so I just get somebody <laughs> to carry the books and, like, the big tomes like the olden, you know, monks. Um, is, that, is that what you're saying? Are you saying me as, like, your TO? Oh, <laughs> is this what I'm doing? No. Just carrying yeah, that around? You, you can if you want to. You can be the, the, the scribe. But, you just um, hired a pack animal to follow them around. I, I it's a great, a great, a great way to bring animals inclusion. I don't know. We're going at a weird tangent, but that, that's that's <laughs> what well, that's what I'm doing. I'm building up for Cities of Sigma. I'm got Sydney GT in five weeks, and I'm printing terrain and trying to build the Get Started series on Age of Sigma. So lots and going on at my house. Luscious. We have yeah, like, yeah, the beardling. It's awesome because you have like the same gray going on with the center strip black, like me. This is. I'm probably a little bit younger though. I've got more more, more grays. Yes, I almost had the exact same beard. It's really weird. It's really weird. All right, I'm going to move along. We got a lot of questions to go through on this. We're going a weird, weird tangent. Sorry. I enjoy it. No, no, this is great, but it's a weird tangent. And uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, a couple of quick shouts. There's been some really good content coming out of, Age of, uh, out of the Age of Sigma Australia community. I know uh, Measured Gaming have just put out a, uh, a couple of bat reps as well as a podcast. Doom of Darkness has just put out uh, Doomcast uh, 3 or 4, and I'm a guest on there. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, I did get to taste Doom's bath water, uh, which was delicious. Um, <laughs> Don't want to know. I'm good. I'm gonna leave that there. Yep, yep. Better, better. Just move on from that. We'll just keep next. <laughs> Heralds of War put out a podcast. Check it out. All the guys are normally on the channel. They're, they're good stuff. Check it out. Uh, but let's get into 3D printing. I am super excited. This is the fastest we've ever blitzed through that type of stuff. All the all the intro stuff. We're gonna get into the meat and potatoes. We are talking about 3D printing. We are talking about wargaming, and we're talking about how to get started and making the most out of your investment. So. Anthony, I'm going to start us off. What is 3D printing? Uh, 3D printing is essentially taking a digital file and converting it into a three-dimensional object via some form of electronic printing, be it FDM style like we use, where it's layer on top of layer of extruded plastic or a resin 3D printer that still does layer on top of layer, but instead of extruding it, pulls it out of a vat and so on and so forth. A little bit different technology. They both have pros and cons. That's the basis. 
Yeah, yeah, very much. And, and, and I think you can see in the background from me, that's one of my printers. Uh, and Anthony's There's got one there and one there and one way over there. And... Anthony's wife is more forgiving than mine. No, she, I just do things and get yelled at and pretend like it didn't happen later. So when's the fourth one coming? Yeah, listen, I brought a fourth one home for a day just to fix it for a friend. And I almost had to live aside. It, it, it was scary because uh, the third one showed up while she was at work and I didn't tell her I bought it. And I had it assembled and put on the table and running when she got home. She came into my office, said, hi, I'm going to go make dinner. Cool. She came back up to tell me donors ready. She went, what the F is that? And I went, oh, yeah, by the way, that that's new. <laughs> it didn't go so well. So we're going to hold off on number four for a little bit. Okay, cool. Right, because I just see like there's like a nice little gap in the one at the back where you could probably fit a fourth one. No, that's actually the closet, which is full of my armies and whatnot. So there's, that's there's all right. Clear them no, out and just like... Yeah, there's literally no room in this office for another printer. Cool. And so I how did you, you up to three now? I, I'm on two. I've only got two. So, so American Anthony has three. Aussie Anthony has two. So I'm definitely uh, lagging. And I'm trying to convince him to get the bigger ones instead of the smaller one now. Yeah. The, the, the next one definitely will be a bigger one. So, um, yeah. Sick. Uh, but why why did you get into 3D printing? So you've told us about the process. Yeah. Uh, so I got into it just before NashCon last year. Uh, I was at Adepticon, and Printable Scenery was there, and I saw their stuff. And honestly, even before that, um, a guy who was in the community a while ago, but really hasn't been making much content lately, MC1 Gamer, Mitch, he had bought a, a, a Prusa printer a while back and was printing some stuff. And I, I watched his channel, liked it, met the guys at Printable Scenery, saw their new Kickstarter, loved that stuff. I instantly went home and said, honey, I'm going to buy you know, a printer for myself. I want to do it as a hobby. It'll be my birthday present. She was like, okay, fine. So that's how the first one got here. And uh, and I kind of then was like, I'm going to print a bunch of terrain because that stuff looks awesome. And I, you know, my buddy David, who runs NashCon, I was like, I'm going to print a bunch of stuff and send it your way to paint so we can have some really cool terrain on the tables. And he was like, do it. I'm in. So that's how it all got started. Yeah. And, and, fun, fun, and funnily for me, that's exactly why I got my first 3D printer was to prepare for Sydney GT. So last year was my first event. Uh, it, it, it was a lot of work to build up a, a bank of terrain using uh, foam and, you know, other resources. Um, aquarium terrain. Aquarium terrain. My wife uh, was uh, hating me at one point because I was burning so much. Because uh, obviously during the, in, in Australia, when I'm kind of preparing for Sydney GT, it's winter. So I don't want to be in the garage. I want to be in the house. So I'm burning foam uh, with hot wire cutters and my wife is wants to kill me. Do you guys uh, have a winter? I thought it was always warm and sunny there. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, like it's, it's like, 20, 20 degrees, 25 degrees, uh, I'm sure we convert it into American um, temperature and it's still warm. But uh, the moment it's not 30 to 40, we whinge. We're like, oh, it's too, it's too cold. <laughs> As people in, from where I am now in the, in the southern states of, of the U.S. It's While I think, I think like a month ago, uh, the U.K. hit the 20s and, you know, it was uh, people were taking the day off and going to the beach while we're wearing jumpers. But... Uh, <laughs> 
But yeah, terrain was it was there was the whole thing. I wanted to get into it because of terrain for Sydney GT and to put good quality table uh, uh, terrain on my tables. Uh, I wanted to find a cheap way to do it because I just couldn't afford to buy, uh, you know, five to ten kits uh, per table um, from uh, you know the various terrain creating uh, organizations out there. Um, and so diversity, um, right? Because you yeah. Can- much more diverse table set from table to table when you have the ability to create stuff versus just buying the same GW kit or the same kit from somebody else in MDF or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly right. Like, um, you know, now that we're playing in the realms, you know, um, there's just not enough stuff to, to allow me to play in the realm of fire or metal or, you know, to bring in light. And, um, that's, that's a challenge if we want to try to create this immersion experience and, um, or even thematical terrain that, um, you know, there are awesome companies that create battle mats and I want some, some jungle terrain or I want some, um, you know, more chaosy type terrain to go on my lava mat. Well, yep. like a realm gate is only going to go so far. No, it's no yeah. offense to realm yeah. gates, but uh, I wanted something that's a bit more immersive, maybe a bit more line of sight blocking as well. There's not enough line of sight blocking terrain. Um, oh, and that we're was, fine. we're good. Yeah, we're fine. Wait till KO comes back into into the fold and yeah, just you know. blows everybody off yeah, the table. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's just. Let's I got. Just... I got my trees. I'm good. Yeah, All right. I'm good. Rest um, on your laurels for now. <laughs> good luck to you. I'm I'm good. Um, thanks for thanks yeah, for th- thinking of everyone else, Liam, in the hobby. We uh, we appreciate your selflessness. It's okay. Just remember that your trees don't block line of sight for things that fly. KO has plenty of things that fly and shoot. So yeah, they're, but the things that fly are close combat. Okay. Um, um, So the most common thing you guys both print is terrain, yeah? Or is there anything else that you guys um, print? I also do, uh, so movement trays. I I sell currently, we were talking before the show, on uh, eBay, I sell just uh, some giant bases for like the the new Corn Dragon, the Dread Saurian, War Mammoth. Once they went to that giant... Uh, you know, 280 by 210, which is literally a sheet of, you know, printer paper. Uh, I started printing those uh, and selling those just not even to fund the hobby, but just because people have no way of getting the base that big, yeah. really. Uh, and then yeah. some Christmas stuff for around the house, you know, my wife, my parents, that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. And, and, and I'm mostly painting hobby accessories right now. So combat gauges, uh, movement trays, uh, ah. recently, recently printed off a really cool, um, so I've got, I was one of the, the people who bought the games workshop, uh, was it the painting mug that, um, that yeah. gray kind of cylinder. And I print off this really cool accessory that kind of wraps around it and holds about 10 paint brushes, um, yeah, which was, so just like little examples like that, printing off, um, things for, uh, to hold my paint bottles. Um, obviously once Sydney GT is over, I'll get a bit more crazy, a bit more fun. Um, hell, I even printed off something for my wife's friend's cosplay uh, event where she had yeah. like a um, a Sims kind of diamond. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff to print. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, right now it's very terrain, terrain focused, but uh, I'll get into some sexier stuff post-event. Yeah. So, so like, if someone like myself wanted to start um, printing, where would be the best place to start? If you want my opinion, I, uh, it depends on how heavy you want to get in right away. If you just want to dip a toe in to make sure you like it, 
Uh, start by finding like a municipality, like a, a public library or something that has a 3D printer where you can go and use it for free, just paying for the time and print something small to start because a lot of people don't realize the amount of time that that 3D printing actually takes and make sure that that's something that you want to do. If you know you want to get into it because you want to do terrain or something else like that for yourself, you can get into this hobby relatively inexpensively with something like the Ender 3 from Creality, which is what uh, Coach uses to behind him. I have one on the side. Um, even if you want to do large format, my first printer was the one that's back over there, which is the Creality CR10, which is a bigger platform, so I can print bigger stuff. And they've come down in price significantly from what things used to be. Even to go in large format, um, entire the, the printer itself, US, will cost you right now under sub $500, and you can get a roll of filament for $13. And you could be printing tomorrow if you really wanted to, because there are plenty of free files out there at different sites also yeah. yeah so yeah so yeah just to add to that so um so you've got your library or you've got people who um organize uh printing so i know seth cook uh works at a library one of our you know the goon hammer himself uh or goon boss sorry uh he works at a library which uh does printing so they can do it for you and you pay the time um there are companies uh that are out there who will uh print for you so they are they're a business that purely print uh, or they sell uh, pre-made uh, prints and then lastly is is doing what anthony and i have done and that is investing in our own machine so um, my machines have costed me about 500 dollars each um, however i've upgraded those and, and we'll talk a bit more about upgrading and getting started down the track um that's 500 australian right uh, five, 500 australian if you got down yeah, to yeah. usd it's probably about 250 300 but this would be the upgrades as well so, right. so you can, yeah, yeah. You can you can buy these stock models and then you can upgrade them with additional things. And uh, those things have varying degrees of benefits. Uh, so it's up to you if you, you do it at the start or you do it yeah. down the track. But, yeah, um, okay. 100%. And then I guess to what Anthony was saying as well, you've got, um, you've got the files. So you can either design the files yourself, uh, which is very challenging. Uh, you yeah. can buy them off people or you can get them for free. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But yeah, it's kind of like at a high level. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we talked about like how like there's different sizes and different ways of getting into it. Like, is there like a top notch like high class brand or anything that like you guys recommend? Like, is there like the Sony of the 3D printer? Brand is subjective, just like anything else in the world, in my opinion. I prefer yeah. the Creality line of printers. Uh, they are a great entry level price. Yet what you get is pretty good bang for the buck. Now saying yeah. that you will have to do a little bit of tinkering here or there. Some upgrades yeah. are dang near essential. You have to do them. Um, some are, I want to do it because a higher end machine has that feature. I can put it into my machine for relatively cheap and it makes things a little bit nicer, uh, yeah. which is awesome, but not hundred percent necessary. Yeah. Um, but there are, there are a ton of brands out there that, that make good printers um, just doing a little bit of research can, can really help. Um, if I was going to recommend somebody to get a printer, I would recommend them get a Creality printer. Um, yeah. Not only because I'm used to it and the price point is good on the Creality, but yeah. uh, the one thing we didn't mention before is the community support for 3D printing on like Facebook groups is massive. And Creality, I believe, has one of the largest Facebook groups. There's like three that I'm a part of that are, are massive. 
where you can get a lot of help and advice and things like that. So if it was me and I was recommending someone to start out, I would, I would recommend a Creality printer. Um, if you wanted to spend the money up front for a little bit extra bells and whistles and whatnot, and then go with a Prusa. But I don't think you need to spend that money personally. Okay. Yeah, cool. I, I couldn't agree more. I uh, apologize sure. for ducking off my dog. Uh, he's very opinionated with music and didn't like word, word, the song Word Up. So uh, I, had to put, I had to mute it. Um, oh, good. What, what brand's your printer, Anthony? Uh, um, Creality. Australian Anthony? Uh, yeah, Creality. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need to go like Aussie. Maybe just go Coach. Maybe just go Coach. It might be easier because okay, we have two Anthony. Anthonys. Or I'll yeah, take cool. Tony. Um, so um, I've gone Creality, and the reason I went yeah. Creality was I think uh, value for money um, – so I guess you've got tiers, right? You could go to buy, you can buy really cheap ones for like a hundred bucks there, you know, and, and they do what they do, right? So, um, and they're okay. It, it's like, it's kind of like airbrush compressors kind of thing. If you buy like a hundred dollar airbrush, you get a hundred dollar airbrush. For sense. sure, like, for sure. Cool. And eventually you'll probably want to upgrade it later. So yeah. was, was it better off just spending it up front? Um, yeah. I think I think um, the Creality, in my opinion, was a was a machine that um, was high end at a low price price point. So for what you spend, that which is at three to four hundred dollars, um, it does do a lot, um, and um, yeah, you get a really good value for money. And that's so much so that I bought two of the same machine, um, yeah. and then I will probably upgrade to another one, um, which is a bit bigger um, down the track. Okay, cool. So, so like, what, make those two into one? No, <laughs> no, they're not, tra they're, 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 not, they're not transformers. Uh, I think the, the restriction oh. that, that I've got, um, so Anthony and I have um, some different machines, and one of the big differences that Anthony has in his machine, in his uh, Creality CRS10 or uh, whatever that acronym works out to be, is that the size of the bed. So um, if you think of um, the machine and, and how it's going to create a, uh, a piece of, let's say, terrain, yeah. you've only got a certain um uh size size that it can print on yeah. so the the bigger the machine um the bigger the the bigger the bed yeah perfect example there's a there's a yeah you've got a platform that denotes the actual buildable space of your models and then your z-axis this one's a flight here z-axis is the height of the model yeah, yeah. So the bigger the machine, the the more of that bed space you have, and the and the taller it can go. So um, yeah. you might have seen that I've recently been printing these a big high elf or these elven type Those libraries. Towers. Yeah, yeah, they're beautiful. Um, because I've got a little bit of a smaller machine, it takes me a little bit longer than it would take, say, Anthony. Or for some of those really big pieces, um, I might have to split up, so cut it up and split up the file, and that yeah. just takes a little bit more time. So that's the trade that I'm making. Uh, while Anthony could just hit a button and it could print for three days, four days and print it all in one go or in, in, you know, very short period of time. Uh, yeah. not, not a huge difference, but there's a little bit work for me because my bed yeah. is not as big. So that's the consideration of when I'm buying, what am I printing for? Uh, what's those sizes and, um, and how, yeah, like, like, like it's a, it's a trade-off, right? Like I'm okay yeah. spending a little bit more time, um, because that money, basically two of those machines are the cost of one of Anthony's machines approximately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the bigger one for sure. And it, it lets you put some more on too for certain prints. Like you were talking uh, like combat gauges. I printed uh, a bunch of combat gauges so that everybody that came to the event could have a free combat gauge with the, the event name on it. On the small, the, the Ender 3, like what Coach has, and I have one, 
I can print, I think it was, uh, I could do 12 on that machine at one time or something like that. Or on the bigger machine, I could do like 20 of them at a yeah. clip. So each time I was doing it, I just get more and more and more. So my total print time is just less, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, 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 that's a consideration. Um, if you're going to get started, maybe just a smaller one because you don't want to drop a thousand dollars in real life. This is not for you. Um, yeah. Um, and it can be a frustrating hobby. When something goes wrong, it goes wrong. And there is no instruction manual to tell you pinpoint this yeah. is where the problem is. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, but 100% to Anthony. And Tristan Gray asked a really good question, which was, um, are there ones that have a super high Z-axis? And the answer is yes, there, there's, um, there are a whole range of different ones um, to, to meet your needs. But I guess the it's the price point and, and finding the bundle. There's was also dependent on how technical you are. You could, I could take, uh, and a coach could too, if he wanted to take his, his ender there, he could essentially get some more extrusions, make the height of it taller and change the firmware in it to say, instead of being able to print 250 millimeters high, I can now print 700 millimeters high and it could yeah. do it. You would just have to program it to do it. So that's where the, the modifying of some things get into into it, but yeah, you could print super high if you really wanted to. Yeah, so okay. I, th I think that's the cool thing. Just uh, you know, without getting into a rabbit hole, there is a lot of different ways you can go about three D printing. Yeah. Um, I would start just basics, getting the the foundations right before you start going deep in a rabbit hole of upgrades and you know investing all of this money. Um, I think that's a trap. And that, yeah. that might be a question that I saw might come up later, but just to address it real quick. The, I see so many times on posts, people ask like, well, I just got my printer. What should I change on it? Nothing. Don't change anything on it yet. Why don't you learn how it prints first and make yeah. sure you can understand it before you start modifying it? Because 99% of uh, printers out there do not need any modifications out the box to print very well these days. Yeah. Um, so spend more time learning your slicer software, which is a term we'll get into in a minute, than modifying your printer. Now, so we've bought the printer and now I want to print something. Where do I find the designs to print? Okay, so uh, you can go to Thingiverse, which is the biggest free site on the internet. It's a, uh, I'll be honest, it's a half a crapshoot of a site. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you find what you want, sometimes you can't. But it is the largest collection of free files that there is. And yeah. you can go in there, search, I want, you know, a, a tree, and it'll blow up a tree. I was printing, uh, <laughs> a friend wants to run a corgi as a stone horn in an army. So I searched a corgi, found a corgi print, scaled it up, printed him a corgi. I'm going to uh, put it in the mail to him. So That's awesome. Uh, wait, wait, I think it's corgi as in the dog? Give me one sec. Oh, it's amazing. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll just continue. Yeah. Corgi is in the dog. I printed him a corgi that is the size of a stonehorn. And what's he going to play it as? A stonehorn in, in Beast Claw Raiders. That's so cool. I think it's amazing. I love the idea. He told it he, at NashCon. He he was joking around saying it, and I was like, you know, I can make that a reality, right? Like that's one of the cool things. Not every time something comes up do I say that, but there's a lot of times where people are like, I want to do this, and I'm like, you know, I can make that a reality. I have a printer and. I'm sure I can find a file for that. Yeah. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes, I can print you a corgi the size of a stone horn. Not a problem. And I can just, just imagine like, I can just imagine like an oversized corgi, just like bulldozing yeah. everyone. Why yes. Not? It's going to be amazing. I Hashtag love it. my hobby. 
Yeah, exactly. Right? Don't, but, don't kill my buzz, bro. Okay, cool. <laughs> but with, with Thingiverse, right? Like Thingiverse uh, has everything. You know, I could find parts to a uh, a washing machine that's broken, and I need a particular part. I can find parts. Yeah. I can um, I can find a bust. So if I want to paint up a bust, uh, there's plenty of bust designs. There are vases, and uh, there's so much craziness out there. Yeah. So. Uh, it's super extensive and it's all free. Uh, it's legitimately 100% free. So um, check it out. And that might be a, a starting point is to find that free file, take it to the library and print it at almost no cost. Enjoy yeah. it, learn it, then actually invest. Yeah. Yep. And that's, There's, so you, you've touched on the two things that you need to get started 3D printing. The third one would be the slicer software, which actually converts the, the file that you've taken and turns it into what they call G code, which is what the printer plots out to print. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of different settings in there that need to be adjusted and tweaked and changed based on printer. Uh, but again, get on your, everybody that's social media these days, and Facebook has great communities for pretty much every printer out there. And there are people that share their settings for each of the two to three major slicer brands that you can just you know, give to you willingly for free in the file section, you just download it import it into your slicer and you can be up and printing in no time. Okay. So the slicer is the way you can okay. modify it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So Bef that's before, before we move <laughs> off this question though, yeah. we, we've kind of, we've kind of missed a few pieces. So thingy versus one spot that you can find yes. these files. Um, yeah. Ethan, do you want to throw the other, the other yeah. places? Uh, I can find so files? Kickstarter is a great place. Uh, I backed, uh, Printable scenery, Kickstarters, and a lot of other ones. Uh, I know Coach has also. We just backed another one last EC, night. I think it was. Uh, EC3D uh, has done three amazing Kickstarters so far and is now doing um, another another one. So um, yeah. there, there's some really good guys out there who do very affordable terrain. Um, so Kickstarter is uh, amazing. Fantastic. Uh, Patreon. Um, a lot of people have Patreons that if you subscribe to them, once you get into the, the Facebook groups for 3D printing, there's a bunch of for like, um, you know, 3D printing for tabletop and whatnot. You get into a group like that, there are people that design the files and if you back them on a Patreon for, and they're usually not asking a ton of money, they're producing some really nice files and you can get files from them, uh, which is amazing. You can design your own with the uh, proper software. You can 3D uh, design your own. I have not gotten that far yet. Uh, that is something I uh, aspire to get into in the near future, um, but that's something I haven't done yet. But that's, those are uh, probably your, your biggest ones is free on, on Thingiverse, uh, you know, Kickstarters. There's a couple companies that uh, are, are out there that have do Kickstarters and also just have files on their website, like Printable Scenery. Yeah. There's a Hobgoblin. Yeah, 3D, or 3D like Hobgoblin. That, that's, that's what it is. Uh, lo um, is it iLovel? Uh, Ian Lovable, I think it is. He's, yeah, he's some, some really good ones. Like yeah. There are. There's, there's quite a few companies out there that have websites and a quick Google search, you can you can locate some of those where they do some really nice stuff that fits our world, the the, the fantasy or 40K, if you're into 40K even, uh, the 40K world, and you can get files pretty easily. Yeah. And before we, Liam, before we jump onto the next question, I just want to acknowledge the chat. Tristan Gray and uh, Jack from Rerolling Ones are giving us some stick because they say that Anthony and I have the same beard color, uh, almost like we, ha we are sharing the same dye numbers. 
uh, just, to, just to make sure people uh, don't believe that this is a requirement to get in 3D printing. No, you do not have to have these little whisk. And uh, big shout out, actually, funnily enough, in the chat, I was getting, literally about to call out this Patreon. Um, so 3D Hexes is someone that I am a big fan of. Uh, I've been printing a lot of their stuff off, very Sylvaneth, um, and he's recently joined a Patreon. So he is definitely one I'm backing every month. So funnily enough, nice to see you in the chat. It was like I summoned you. Good timing, mate. <laughs> But uh, say, yeah, there's a lot of cool. So much. It's, with this it's, show, it's, every time when we mention someone, they literally rock up within like less than a minute. It's it's it great. ridiculous. Just Wait, like um, just say their name three times, and poof, they're here. Pops up. But look, honestly, like um the the files the file that uh you use is called an STL. Um, and if you, a, a quick Google search STL, put it in Kickstarter put it anywhere and it'll just come up with so many files. It's not funny. Yeah. And the great thing is 99% of the time, there's almost no work to be done or very little. And we'll explain why you might have to do a little bit of work. Uh, but the work is like two seconds of amount of work. Um, and, and that, and that comes cool. down to the fact that um, age of Sigma uh, or a lot of Warhammer say games are not a true 28 mil um, uh, game. So, so you might find that your resources, whatever you print, are small. So you need to uh, scale it up so it's more reflective of the world you're in. But then again, I might play bolt action that's having 15 mil, so I might to bring it down. So, and in all honesty, if you look at a lot of GW terrain, they build a lot of their terrain more to real 28 millimeter scale, even though their figures aren't. So even if you didn't scale things up, it wouldn't look so out of place with some of the other terrain on the table. But I, I agree with you, I prefer to scale it up a little bit to be more of that 32 millimeter scale that GW's figures are. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now I've got a printer, i got a file. Now I need to modify it. Is that right? And then I have to modify it. And then what do I do next then? No, after that? then is there a particular like the filament I have to get? No. So literally you don't have to actually modify the file. Uh, the, yeah. the slicer software converts the STL file into a G code. And yeah. th that just literally plots out how it's going to do layer by layer and how it's going to print. Um, it's no different to like save. It's not, it's no different like saving a word document. Like literally you open up a file and yeah. then you save as it's done. Like that's, that's yeah, the okay. simplest okay. version of this. So, I guess I'm just yes. interrupting. So, sorry, Anthony, because I don't want to. I don't no, want no, it to no, sound no, like it's too, I don't want to make it sound like it's too complicated because it's really, it's really not. You guys are no, making no, no, it sound so simple. easy. It is. It really is. I promise you, I am one step above a simpleton, and I picked it up in no time. <laughs> and because it it really is that simple. Like, find a file, download it. Great. Import it into the slicer software. Click print preview. It slices it. Click save to SD, stick an SD card in, hit print, walk away, come okay. back however many hours later. That's usually what the bulk of my, my time is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this goes back to what Anthony was saying about just learn your machine first, because once you understand the foundations, you understand where the errors may occur. You find out you, when you understand that basic process, it is super easy to do. Um, you, yeah. you might be able to see behind me, there's something on my printer bed. So that is a file that is printing for 48 hours. Um, I literally just press a button, make sure there's enough product in the in the, the spool, and I walk away for two days and just occasionally check on it to make sure that it hasn't fallen off or um, there's an error. But yeah. 
Otherwise, that's it. And then I come back in two days and I pick it up and I paint it and, and print some more stuff. And the nice thing is, like, you will have failed prints. It will happen. I don't care who you are. But it, the, the only thing you're out when you have a failed print is a little bit of time. The cost of the material is honestly pretty cheap, where even so, a fail didn't really cost you much. So you just mentioned that even a fail, it's just time, not much money. So, like, what is the ongoing cost of running a 3D printer? So, like, I bought my printer off, like, one of the sites that you guys probably would recommend to me. And now you say there's some stuff that you can do that's for free, like some stuff that you can download for free or you can buy yep. some. Um, so what is the actual ongoing cost? Like, for example, the filament, I think it's what it's called. Yeah, yep. So it's filament. So uh, the most typical filament that you print with, there's a couple different ones, but instead of going down a rabbit hole of all the different exotics and everything else, I'll stick to one, which is PLA, which is a cornstarch-based polymer that it, it prints very easy great results and it's cheap so a uh, a roll which is one kilogram 2.2 pounds for us uh depending on where you buy it from and the quote-unquote quality of the the filament um can range you anywhere from us uh 12 to 25 dollars yeah um, i usually buy um one particular brand just because i've had great luck with it and it cost me 12 dollars and 85 cents a roll and it's oh I buy bulk when I it's on sale, so it usually ends up costing me more like ten dollars a roll, yeah. and that will go a long way. Uh, one kilogram of filament you can get a fair amount of printing out of, um, versus you know the 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 time like it, you, that yeah. print that takes forty eight hours that lower piece that that coach is printing probably only takes maybe a quarter to just under a half of a roll. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're talking, it'll cost him five to six bucks to print that lower section, that entire tower, which stands nearly 12 to 13 inches tall. It's about eight inches in diameter. It's highly detailed on the inside and the outside, probably total cost for that thing to print um, in material is 15 bucks to 20 bucks tops. Um, yeah. Then you just have a electrical cost for whatever you're paying for electric. But uh, 3D printers surprisingly don't use a lot of electricity versus what people think. Um, the biggest thing that uses electricity is the heated bed. And if you put a certain type of surface on your bed, because you can get different ones, you can actually turn off the heated bed after it has printed a certain amount. And then you're using very little electricity. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've got your ongoing cost of electricity. Um, you've got your filament costs. So in Australia, I'm paying about $25 to $30. And I buy a product called PLA Plus, which is a stronger version of PLA. It's a few dollars more, but uh, especially because I'm printing uh, uh, terrain for, for tournaments, I need it to be as durable as possible. Um, so it's a little bit a little bit more expensive, but it goes a long way. Uh, then definitely there's the electricity costs. Um, there's other things that come up, but um, they're the probably the big ones. It's certainly, yeah, there's wear and tear and things break occasionally and you've yeah. got to repair those pieces. Um, uh, like the nozzles get clogged up at times and you can either buy a new one or um, or you can uh, clean it. But long story short, like there's, there, there's like any piece of machinery, um, there is wear and tear and you need to replace parts over time. Okay. Um, so, but don't let that that scare you because, in all honesty, 
replacing the parts is fairly simple. While yeah. it seems like a complex machine, they're very simple machines, in all honesty. Can okay. I just jump in and, and just ask, so Tristan Gray's asked a good question around, uh, do I need to figure out what uh, printer my library has before I go in and print? Um, Anthony, do you want to add anything to that one? Uh, I mean, it, if they are going to do the slicing of the file, uh, the only restriction you would need to know is like the size of their printer to know what size file you could bring, what size of a, a piece you're going to bring. Um, if you're going to have to, if you're slicing the file yourself, uh, then yeah, you need more information because there's some settings that you need to know. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah, if, if you bring your file into the library, uh, I'm sure in a matter of seconds, like, so the, the, the software that I use is now set it set for my machine. So I just got to literally load up that, that word document essentially. Uh, and it's automatically done for me. Um, so, so it's, it's, it, it's pretty simple. Um, good yeah. question. Cool. This is sounding way too easy. Like I thought <laughs> I could do it when I'm hungover, but I feel once like you, that will not will go down well. Once you've set really? it up correct. It's yeah. super easy. When it goes yeah. wrong, it's frustrating because there's probably a million spots that it can go wrong and it's not obvious where it goes wrong. And and over time, you do learn the most common spots where there's errors mm -hmm. um, to check this, check this, check this. But I remember the first time my machine went down, it was down for a good month because I didn't know what I was looking for. I tried to replace certain parts and that didn't solve the problem. So I was waiting for parts to come in and out. And then eventually over time, by talking to the community that Anthony was talking about on Facebook, trial and error, watching YouTube videos, I found where the problem was. I understand it now. And I can almost say that my printers are running 24-7 for the last three months because yeah, yeah. if it does go down, I now know instantly where the problem went um, because I, I took the time early on to learn those mistakes. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, my, that's my advice. Um. This isn't the next question, but I do see like a large tower behind you, coach. Now, when it comes to paint, printing those big pieces of train stuff, what is the best glue to stick them together? Yeah. With that um, filament. Also, while my head's bobbed over, you can see a can of hairspray. That's not to make my luscious hair beautiful. Uh, I use it on the, the glass bed to make it stick. Uh, and the reason I do that is during the winter when the temperature does drop, um, sometimes it can, uh, the, the piece of product that I'm trying to create can fall off. And I, I wake up in the morning with a spaghetti monster because the filament's been coming out, but it's not sticking to anything. Um, so I use a little bit of hairspray on the glass just so it sticks. Uh, and, it, yeah. and then, like I said, that's been going for 36 hours and um, it's a, a, a small little spatula kind of pops it off. Um, and I know that my it's not going to fail. Um, yeah. I, instead of using hairspray, I use a certain build material that I stick on top of the mirror and yeah. it sticks to that. And I don't have to spray the hairspray, but the hairspray is probably a slightly cheaper option. Yeah. People use like, more people use like uh clad glue, like the, the old glue you used in school. Some people use like double-sided like painter's tape. Um, there's a lot of different ways. You don't even have to do it, uh, but it just ensures that, uh, I don't get any failures, uh, especially because I've got a tournament in play. I need uh, I need it to be successful as much as possible. I can't I can't have failures. Yeah, yeah. But for gluing the pieces together, uh, you'd be surprised. Pretty much any glue you want will work. Yeah. Um, I mean, I use super glue, but pretty much all the stuff I send 
uh, over to my buddy for his tournament to paint. He uses regular Elmer's white school glue to glue it all together, and it holds just fine. Okay, cool. I'm I'm using a stronger bond because again, it's a tournament, and um, I'm potentially expecting some other tournament organizers to ask me to borrow this terrain uh, down the track. Um, or at least trying to think about using it again and again for future tournaments. So I'm using something like a higher strength, like a Gorilla Glue, um, just so it can handle the wear and tear and the, you know, the transport issues. So I think you um, overthink it. I'll be honest. We, we've traveled with the, the terrain for four different states in the U.S. and three, you know, different tubs all the time. They even dropped it down a flight of stairs. Didn't have a break. Yeah, well, well, but so there's look, nothing wrong with it either way. It's yeah, so super glue, yeah. I've had no problems with. Uh, other pieces, yeah, like there. Look, I, there are some big pieces that I'm doing, and I think uh, I feel more comfortable using like a yeah. like a gorilla glue. But yeah, well, David, last because when I send it to him in a box, an elephant can step on this box, and nothing's going to get it. It's like three thousand pounds of peanuts and bubble wrap all around it. And he's like, you know, we haven't like had one damaged yet. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't. Like, I just feel better this way. So yeah. trust me, I'm with you. Better safe than sorry. Now, so you know how you mentioned this before about when you grab the machine, do you get upgrades and stuff? Do you, and you said don't get it immediately. You say like learn the machine first, or do you say like if the, up, like, or is there some machines where you'd need the upgrade immediately? So that's a, a tough question because I know my machine, my first machine, I knew when I bought my Ender, like the, the two that Coach has, there was one part I was upgrading right off the rip on that uh, because I know it, it will be an issue down the road. And I can learn that machine. As a newer person, no, you don't have to upgrade anything from the start because they are built fine. You can learn them on it. But I guarantee you I know where your first failure is going to be as far as hardware-wise goes and what you'll need to replace it. So I just made that upgrade from the get-go, but you do not need to from the start okay cool there's a couple yeah, there's definitely a couple that um are beneficial that i would recommend um so the glass bed is one um it's just uh it just uh, it, there's a lot of benefits to it and it's very cheap uh and the yeah. second one is um the way that the material comes through um from that little like ring that spool into the machine it needs a little gear to kind of pull it through now the stock standard one on the end of three for example is um is uh i think it's one metal and one plastic i can't remember what it was uh but it wasn't very high quality so you can buy a little upgrade that's metal um that just increases the success of pulling it through because if the material is not going through or it's not feeding enough material um certainly your your print's going to fail because there's just not enough product or it's very flaky and thin so th those two ones were quick ones but since then i've gone to upgrade more um for certain benefits and um after this one i will um i'll upgrade the, the the motherboard and make it more silent um because you'll notice that anthony and i have both paused our prints because it makes a little noise um but you can silence that with a, with an upgrade or you buy a machine that already has that so yeah. okay um, it's it's not like crazy noise but certainly if i'm streaming here you, it would be enough that you guys would hear it and uh the chat would uh be attacking me right now because like shut it up yeah i can tell you my, my office shares a room with my four-year-old daughter and or shares a wall with my four-year-old daughter and i have three printers going round the clock and they do not affect her sleeping or anything like that so 
the noise even while can be a little annoying when you're sitting right next to it it's not that bad like yeah. some people yeah. make it sound like if you read some forms like it's so noisy no, it's, it's really not yeah. my wife talks a lot louder than that thing goes so. So this hobby room is right next to my bedroom and I'm printing 24 seven with two machines. So as long as I just close the door, um, you can't see anything. So, um, or you can't hear anything either. So, uh, it's not that noisy, but it does make a little eerie noise that, um, yeah. may grind your gears. Um, so that might be important for you to silence. And okay. Mind you as well, like a lot of the things we're talking about here are, is this, um, the, the, um, the, uh, FMD, um, type printer. Certainly there's the other side, which is for the resin, which, um, for my personal preference, resin is good if you want to printing miniatures. So if you are in the game of either trying to recreate, uh, your favorite war game, uh, or you're trying to, uh, print things for, let's say Dungeons and Dragons, um, or there's a lot of cool models. Well, if you want to print Tomb Kings, often you can find those files. I would definitely recommend miniatures being printed in resin. Um, but for yeah. terrain, you want to go down this FMD or this PLA kind of route uh, yeah. because it's much better. And you'll get much better detail with resin for your miniatures, um, but you wouldn't want resin terrain. So It would also um, cost you a fortune. It would because, cost you a fortune. Yeah, and it would take you forever to print because resin printers have a much smaller build volume like much smaller build volume material costs more um more ha it's hazardous material too for the most part you can't get it on your skin you have to wear a respirator wear latex gloves keep away from certain things it, it does uh you know put off a, a fume that can be well not toxic sickly to some people they they can't stomach the fumes and whatnot and, and that's not to put off resin printing i've been considering buying a resin printer just for like um like bases I was going to do a, a base for my miniature and I wanted to print a hundred cobblestone bases. I would want a resin printer to do that because it'll give me a smoother finish uh, and be a little bit nicer. Um, so I've been thinking about buying one and putting it in my garage and keeping it there. But I just, the, with the most of what I print is always going to be terrain and larger stuff. So FDM printing is the way to go for me. Yeah. And that's probably one more thing that I didn't touch on, on, on what you might use a, a printer for. Um, so I know a lot of Dungeons and Dragons players or role-playing players, um, they prefer to play with miniatures on the tabletop and you can pre uh, you can create your own dungeons with little tiles, uh, that, so yeah. you can create this stuff and, you know, it's, it's all very modulized. Um, so you can create your own dungeons every week or every time you play and, um, you know, put your monsters and traps and, um, there's a whole range of things you guys can do, whether you're a miniature war gamer, whether it's 40k Sigma, whether it's bolt action, whatever, whatever game you play, um, or you're in that RPG side. So it's, it's got so many value points. It's not funny. Um, and Tristan's asked, do you have to send a filament prints? No, you don't have to, if you don't want to. Um, one thing that, uh, Anthony and I do. So, um, we talked about the way that the machine kind of creates the file and it's based on the size of the the print so it basically prints these little layers and it builds those layers up over time now the the, the smaller the layer uh, and you can you can change the size of the layer the the smaller the layer the, the more time it takes but the the finer the details so um the stock standard approach is i think it's 0.2 um yeah. of a size yeah. uh, I, I print around that 0.15 um or even you know even that 0.1 which takes me longer uh, but it just gives me more detail and you don't see those print lines. But if you did, you could sand it back. You could use acetone to, um, to kind of blend or smooth it. Uh, you don't have to, but it's up to you. 
Anthony, any any other things you'd like to yeah, add? Yeah, no, it, exactly the, the same thing. Like the, the lower the layer height, it's going to increase the time tremendously, and you'll get a little bit less of the visible layer lines, which for some pieces could be important. Um, but for most, when you're talking about like uh, rubble buildings or cobblestone or brick buildings, those they really don't affect it much. Um, and you could do some stuff like uh, um, when you prime it, instead uh, instead of using an airbrush or something like that to prime it, use a more generic rattle can that's a little bit thicker of a, a paint, and it'll fill in some of those lines also, uh, and you don't see a lot of it. There's a, there's an automotive um, rattle can that, that fills in gaps as well. It's like a gap filler. Prime yeah, it's primer. a high-yield high uh, or high-build uh, primer filler. That that's uh, what they use. Before. They spray that down before they block Santa Car, and that's yeah. Good. A lot of guys use that for like their cosplay stuff because it'll fill in that. Uh, you can also, uh, if you have like um, the Lightfoot plastic putty, water that down a little bit, and you can smear that over something, and it'll fill in a bunch of uh, layer lines too. Sometimes I'll, I'll use a lighter, like I'll just burn a little bit, and mm-hmm. just because I'm melting the plastic slightly, and then I can smooth it over with my finger. But that's that's obviously very small places. Yeah. Yep. Yes, there are some some little tricks you can do. Yeah. Um, You guys kind of answered this pretty well throughout the show, but, like, when you work out problems, like you say, there's, like, a community and stuff. But um, what are the most common issues? Like, what are the top three most common issues when it comes to printing? And then, like, how did you find the solutions? And, like, how long did it take to get back to printing? So uh, I would say the the common three I get uh, is you'll get a jam. Uh, which will happen usually in one of two places. Uh, you'll get something that um, it doesn't stick to the bed, like a corner kicks up and then it either completely knocks itself off of the bed and then you get the spaghetti monster uh, or something along those lines. Uh, thirdly, um, trying to think of issues I've had, uh, bed leveling. Uh, if you Every now and then you'll have to re-level your, your actual bed or more more appropriately tram the bed. The, the nozzle rides here, the bed is here, and they need to be in parallel. Um, the first time I had a clog, it took me a little while to figure out what was wrong because a clog can be caused by quite a few things. Um, and like like Coach was saying, it, the first thing that causes the clog on the reality printer is not actually like the nozzle. It's the extruder, the actual where it feeds the, the uh the PLA through, um, it's a plastic thing. It wears down over time. It doesn't provide enough spring tension and it can even crack. Um, so you upgrade that to a metal one. It solves that problem. It keeps the filament pushing through properly. Um, you can get uh, between, there's a hot zone and a cold zone on the hot end. So the filament comes down through the cold zone, hits the, the hot zone, the melting block, and that's where it melts it to extrude it out onto the table. Get a clock in the uh, clog in the throat in between the two, uh, and then it's just a matter of taking it out. I use a, a heat gun, heat it up, pull the stuff through, and clean that up. Um, you know, making sure that your nozzle is the proper distance from the bed so that it properly sticks to the bed, or using something like a hairspray or like I use a, a material on there uh, designed for for gripping um, to minimize those things. But, I mean, the communities are great for figuring some of that stuff out yeah just to just to add my two cents um so the, with that whole leveling thing 
Um, some machines that you buy will automatically what's called leveling, which is basically the distance between the little nozzle to the bed to make sure that there's enough space for the filament to kind of go down and, and squish, but not enough that is a huge gap. So you want to level. I don't have that, but what I do is I use a generic post-it note uh, and you can slide that under the nozzle and that that little, um, uh, the distance of the post-it note uh, is enough um, that the filament goes down and I just pop it on all four corners to make sure that it's approximately even um, and I, I, I get a, a perfect print every time. Um, the other one that um, Anthony didn't get to mention but I'm going to jump into is you set it up wrong. The, yeah. the most common mistake that I find is people get really excited to build their machine and um, they they don't build it correctly and there's a problem with the, the Y-axis or the Z-axis because it's uneven or one of the nuts that you screwed in uh, was too tight or too loose. So it means the degree is slightly off one or two, say, degrees and that, and that yeah. throws off the entire print. So... Uh, when Clint and Gemma uh, most recently bought their printers, I gave them a YouTube video that uh, talks through every single step and the hints and tricks along the way to set up a successful machine. And um, and um, that, that for me has been a, a critical piece because that one degree uh, can make a huge difference to your print and you'd never know that your, your print is, your machine's slightly bent in one mil. Um, yeah. one, one degree. Cause that's, that's, that's crazy. Your eye sees it's perfect, but to the machine, which is all that precision, um, it screws yeah. everything up and, and you'll, it'll drive you insane. Insane. Oh, definitely. Sorry. That's, right. that's, that's cool. Good question, Liam. And, and the last question, right before we go on to the viewer questions is, is one machine enough? And I feel like this is the wrong person, the wrong question to ask to both of you because you're both going to buy more. And I can already see in like two years time, you're probably going to have 10. So I feel like this is the wrong question. But for someone who's just starting, is one machine enough? Uh, up until a point, yeah. And then you realize <laughs> you could do so much more with a second machine. And then you could do so much more with a third machine. Uh, one machine for the average hobbyist, uh, yes, 100%. Um, cool. If you are going to do something like terrain for a uh, uh, an event or something like that, my personal opinion, no, you're going to need a second or maybe even third machine. Uh, or if you just have an addictive personality like I do, yes, you're going to need multiple of everything. So. Cool. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think uh, why are you doing this? Um, if it's for your personal hobby table and uh, you just want to have really nice terrain for yourself, sure, one machine's enough. Uh, you'll, you'll start to find your club mates will start asking you for, um, and, and, and actually that's probably a really good point as well is around sales and things like that. So, um, you know, there is a, a, a common, I don't know the exact terminology for it, but you are absolutely able to print off things, um, for your club mates, um, as long as you're not setting it up as a business for profit. So if you're out there advertising, uh, that you're printing things off, um, like a commercial license, you, you do need to pay for a commercial license. Uh, but you're absolutely able to uh, create things and sell them to to your friends uh, within reason. So um, just if, if you think about the legality around that. So if your friend's like, oh, man, can you print me off some stuff? Uh, well, I'm not a charity. So no, I'm not doing it for free. But I can charge you a, a nominal fee for the electricity, the fact that I've bought a machine, something that's very fair. Um, but certainly not. And you wouldn't want to rip off your friends anyway. No, I am known for being way too 
too generous, uh, and I do a lot for free, but uh, that's just because I'm touched in the head. Um, but the, and people have offered to pay for a lot of stuff, and you're right. Don't you know your friends will start coming out of the woodworks, but other people will also, and uh, you know that's when it starts getting. Well, I could do you know some of this for them to help them out and do my own thing, and now I'll need more printers. Yeah, yeah. and and so, so so to answer your question, Liam, uh, it depends on your reason. If you're yeah, yeah. doing it for a games club, um, may, maybe maybe two machines. Uh, if you don't have a time pressure, one machine, you can just stagger it over 12 months. Yeah. Um, um, what I found is I wanted to start with one. I, I was really enjoying it. I found it was re- uh, it was helping me, but I just didn't get the capacity. So I bought a second one after three months. I think I bought mine mine early last, was it late last year? Then I picked yeah. up one just before I went to Adepticon. So, um, but you're and- worse than I am. I waited at least... Seven months before I bought my second one. Nah, and look, I have it, and, and I'm, I'd like to get a third one, but I'd like the bigger one like Anthony has, so I can do yeah. things at a much bigger scale or um, with quicker resources. But I would need a need for that, um, you know. So, question mark. Questions. Um, we got some of the viewer so, questions. You've answered some of them, like Ryan Price's one, which is what printers are you using? I think you guys have both answered that. Yeah, really so, we've, well. so I've got the Cre- I've got the Creality and Ender Three Pro, uh, so yeah. I have two of those Creality Three Ender Pros. Um, so that, that that comes from China. I know some people in the community believe there's a website that is not legit. Uh, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but all my advice would be is to pay through PayPal so you get you know your your insurance. Uh, but you can buy them off eBay. You can buy them from Amazon. You can buy them. You can buy all these stuff from like. You know, office works. They're they're yeah around. They're around. So um, there's a lot of places that, that you. you can get them from. Yeah, yeah. But, I have a um, Reality Ender three, just the regular. I have a Reality CR ten S, and then I have a Reality CR ten S Pro. Um, Liam, I'm going to throw up a question from the chat. Um, yeah, I, I was I was about to say like this one here is an interesting question. Um, so this. SGT Def nineteen forty two says, curious to hear all three hosts' opinion on people three D printing models for their armies. Definitely some dodgy people printing extra models instead of buying them. But he also added in to clarify, I think it's fine to say buy three kits of a unit, but then three printing three D print some of the alternative models for them. I don't think it's fine to buy one kit and three D print three. Now I know Anthony knows, but I'm going to rage about this question. So I'm going to let you guys answer this first. So let our guests go first. But yeah, my, um, my honest opinion is uh, if you enjoy playing a game, you're going to need to support that company that produces that game or there will not be a game. I do not believe in printing something that is directly uh, sold by the company. So like they sell some terrain, but uh, and I know there's some people that have ripped off some of their files and put them on sites for free. I I will not print the, that file uh, because yeah. I, I do not believe that's right. I, I saw uh, on one of the Aegis Sigmar Facebook groups a guy directly ripping off and printing um, uh, Sylvaneth Wildwoods. And I messaged him privately. Yeah. So I wasn't going to call him out in a public forum because that's uh, – but I, I messaged him privately and I said – Dude, I would highly recommend you not do that. That is very shady in my opinion. And also part of that model you're using is a printable scenery model, which I'm 
positive you don't have a license to do that because they don't give people license to modify their files like that. So I really highly recommend you don't do that. Um, so I am totally against it personally. Yeah. Cool. Look, uh, yeah. Yeah. Look, um, it depends on, so I think to, to, to Anthony's point, I, I agree. Um, because I, I've seen, like I've actually shared with Anthony a few times, we've had a laugh that on Thingiverse, there's a Loon Shrine ripoff. Um, there is a Shattered Dominion ripoff. There is uh, Sisters of Battle and um, there's a whole bunch of these clan rat ripoffs. Um, now, in that world, I definitely haven't printed or I won't print that. I think uh, 100% correct. If we don't want to go down a route where Games Workshop's not investing in our community and, you know, many people claim that Age of Sigmar happened because Warhammer Fantasy wasn't selling. Uh, they, they claim that Tomb Kings died because they weren't selling in 8th edition. Um, obviously there's trademark stuff as well, but if you want your game to live and you want it to grow, you need to invest. So I would highly recommend, um, you don't do that. Um, I'm not comfortable with that, but in saying that there are other cool stuff that, um, maybe like a perfect example where, where this is important to me is, um, I've seen some people put up Warhammer quest models. Now I'm not talking about the, the last edition. I'm talking about the 1990s edition. Yes. And I do have, I do have an original a copy of Warhammer Quest, but if I want those old zombies, if I want that old uh, gargoyle, and I just can't buy them anymore, I physically cannot buy them. I don't see a problem with that. Uh, it's long out of produ production, yes. um, and, I, and I'm not profiting from that. So that's kind of where I would go. Otherwise, um, I have printed some things off for my bases. I was looking for something, uh, maybe like a. I was looking at converting my Orion. Um, to have a really big horn, I was using like uh, Magnus the Red, and I can't find a big horn um, to replicate Orion's horn. So I can go out and find a horn. But would I print a full model and, and put it on the tabletop? Probably not at this stage. But in five to ten years' time, Games Workshop might start selling their STLs. You know, it's it's definitely the way that the the future is going in regards to printing, and um, it's becoming more common. Yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be real with you. It's a big fat no to me, like just straight up, like as a guy who like, I like the stuff that you guys print out because it's just different and they are designed to be printed. If that makes sense. Like there's no one yes. actually like producing it in a factory. If that makes sense. Like that's when yeah. I think that's cool with 3d printing. Cause like it's someone who's designed it and they just go cool. Just print it if you want. Um, and yeah, sometimes there might be like a sale transaction, but when it comes to printing models, um, like from GW or anything like that, I think it's pretty much in my opinion, this is not the hobby for you. Then if you have to go into printing or ripping off a company, yeah. if that makes sense, the whole point of a hobby is you invest time and money into it. And if you're trying to cut the money part of it, then it's not really a hobby. You're just being lazy. If that makes sense. In, in saying like, that, though, like I, I watched Tristan Gray yesterday talk to Mr. Mephisto about the Tomb Kings and his love of the Tomb Kings, and it's becoming harder and harder for him to find Tomb Kings models. Now, that's a long yeah. out-of-production uh, series, um, See, and the only people he'd be, he'd be impacting is the likes of eBay who are charging exorbitant prices for Tomb Kings. So, so would I have an issue with Tristan printing that? No, I would not. Yeah, like if something's out of production, sure. Along, but I do know Tristan. 
right, is a true hobbyist and he's a fucking amazing converter. Oh, I've, cha- I've challenged so, him. I've so, challenged him privately to to get on the new the new kits and and make it his own. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I have like, challenged him. Yeah, like I, when it comes to this kind of stuff, like I did remember reading an article about a guy won a forty k tournament from yeah. a three D printed custodes army. Well, and I'm not going to lie, I wanted to vomit and slam my laptop on the ground because I thought it was that disgusting. So three quick points on this. One, on that army and that article, if he had painted that tank that was 3D printed, you would have never known it wasn't an original, to be honest. His his mistake was not painting it. Um, yeah. And that's why it gets into the, you could te- technically use it. I don't believe in it. Uh, one thing is, like you, you mentioned, Loon Shrine models. Like printable scenery has a Moon Shrine, but it's not the Loon Shrine, and it does not look like the the GW Loon Shrine. And I'm fine with printing that as a generic yeah. piece of terrain on the table, yeah. but not to supplement buying my Loon Shrine for yeah. my army. Yes. The other I, thing is, uh, just real quick, uh, in my opinion, it's the same as uh, an artist. An artist sculpted those figures and GW paid that artist to sculpt them, whether they paid them pennies or millions, that's not the point. The artist sculpted those and got paid to do that. And you're directly screwing that person by then knocking it off. And I, I won't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, it's just the thing is like, if like most of the money that GW makes is from models and the hobby, side of it like it's actually like if you look at their sales and stuff i think they mainly make most of the money off paints and stuff and then like models a bit but if you don't buy those models as you said like you're not supporting the game and if and if they're not seeing sales in that game being like oh why isn't age of sigma doing well like what will stop them to be like okay cool we're going to shut down this game system yeah because it's not selling yeah and like if if you're printing models to cut that you're literally telling gw being like oh i don't really give a crap I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go play Ninth Age. That's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Support, support the business that supports you. I think th- there's a lot of gray here. It's not can you, it's should you. So right. if you, yeah. if you, sh- well, should you do it? Should I print off a Loon Shrine and replicate that as my Legion terrain? Probably not. Um, no. Could you? Yeah, you could. You could. It's absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are at a tournament, they, uh, they may actually deny you using it because it's not the full model. Um, in saying that as well, I've seen some really nice reproduction of like the rhinos, um, you know, the, the space Marine rhino. Now with a resin printer, it's probably very hard for you to tell the quality. Uh, in fact, you could almost, uh, not tell the difference, uh, but yeah. it comes down to, should you do it? And, and the answer is no, if you're really supporting the game, but let's move on. I think is conversion it- bits, conversion bits. I'm, I'm, I'm all about one little piece here there. Please go enjoy. Yeah. Um, the deep rabbit now, hole. Let's let's not go. Going. Yeah. Now another question we got asked in the live chat was whether or not would you suggest learning how to create your own templates for module terrain, something like the panels on some GW kits. Uh, again, if you're talking about, um, you know, like a, that's something I would want to do is to learn how to create my own designs. And while you can take inspiration from, you know, the GW kits, I wouldn't want to design anything exactly like theirs, but I do want to learn uh, eventually uh, how to design my own uh, buildings that I could print and then maybe potentially have my own side business of my own selling. So my own files or do a Kickstarter of my own uh, later yeah. on. 
yeah yeah i i, I wouldn't be interested i'm happy just printing other people's pieces off um <laughs> like 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 they're, they're beautiful they're, they they do it better oh, yeah. than i do yeah. um i would much rather uh, spend my money on kickstarters and patreons and get the masters print uh, you know creating beautiful pieces um but yeah but you could be a master yourself um, um, Jack of all trades, master of none. There you go. <laughs> so, a couple of questions from the Tomb King lover himself, Tristan Gray. Um, what sort of projects do you suggest a complete uh, ludist like myself would take on and have done? So, like, what kind of projects should he start off with printing? I think is what he's asking. Mm. I mean, really, start anywhere. Find a file that interests you, and from there, start printing that. Um, and again, whether that be a take it to the, the local library or something, or, or you buy yourself something like an Ender, which is, again, an affordable option to get into the hobby. Uh, and But start with find a file that interests you first that you want. Yeah. Okay. I, I would I would suggest um, two really quick quick wins. Um, there's a whole bunch of really cool combat gauges on Thingiverse, and there's like Stormcast logos and Nagash logos, and there's tokens for cool things like Warcry. So um, there's some really cool tokens. Um, Something that I really I recently uh, printed off that was created by uh, a New Zealand AOS community member um, were, uh, was um, tokens for the new terrain table, so nullification and um, and commanding. So right now there's no resources out there to to label that. Uh, I use Ben Curry Ben Curry's dice for the table A, but I was able to quickly in a matter of half an hour to an hour print off new tokens uh, for table B. Um, yeah. So, so that was and and, and took it took almost no time. It was super easy to do. Cost uh, very little in regards to resources. So that's a good project to start with, and then build up your confidence in more complicated, more timely kind of um, uh, pieces. But the combat yeah. gauges are like twenty minutes, fifteen minutes. Yeah. Not long. Yeah, they're they're quick and they're they're satisfying when they're done. They really and they're are. useful. You you need so many combat gauges like. 100%. Okay. Now, another question you asked, but I think you guys already answered this. It was about scaling can be an issue. How do you know what size to print? I think you guys kind of answered that earlier on, but is there like a little trick? Like, is there so, something that's in the file? Well, most everything is is built on 28 millimeter scale. And yeah. if you do a little research, you can uh, find out that 28 millimeter to 32 millimeter is about 14% up in scaling. Um, and in your actual slicer, the software that you use to, to print a file, um, to convert it to the G code that the printer actually prints, you literally can just click on the file and then go, okay, I want this at 114%. I usually scale up to 110%, which is like 30 millimeter scale, um, just because I can always remember just to add 10%. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, I did do a lot of stuff at 114% originally, and even some files. Because some people, um, I backed one Kickstarter and the, the sizing was kind of all over the place. So I've scaled some stuff up 120% or some, uh, uh, they made some statues, but I wanted them giant. So I've scaled it up to 300%. Okay. Um, so um, so, so the free, there's free software that we all use. It's very common called Cura, C-U-R-A. Um, uh, we all. That, well, I said, I said common. I said, not everybody, <laughs> it's common. Uh, but, you know, there's paid software and there's yes. other software, but, you know, Curious is one of the most popular softwares out there. Um, now, uh, to how do you how do you work this out, Liam? 
Um, so it's got a measurement in there. So it can tell you the, the, the width and the height and the depth of the model in, yeah. in centimeters or inches. So you can quickly work out from a scale point of view, is this the right scale or what I want? Um, yeah. I always scale mine up 20%. Um, it's the personal preference. Again, Sigma yeah. is a big game and I want it to feel big. Um, yeah. but in saying that as well, I printed off a whole bunch of Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Let's say the like stalactite and st stalactite type, you know, cavernous stuff. For my moon clan, you know, in, in Dungeons and Dragons, it's only like really small, but I want it big. So I've scaled it 160 to 200%. So, uh, I think a part of it comes down to, um, what you're striving for, but yeah, on average, 10 to 20 percent is, is is the sweet spot another good resource just real quick is uh, printable scenery has on their site you can download for free a file for uh sid the scaler he's a, a figurine that downloads at 28 millimeter scale and then so you can pop that onto your bed next to your model and it will show you well he looks you know kind of small or that doorway looks kind of small for him at 28 millimeter if he was 32 millimeters so you can appropriately scale your dream off of that. It's a great little, little tool I've used. Yeah. Okay. Liam, just jumping really quickly. There's a, a question I want to pull up from the chat, which was about what tools are we, are we printing any tools? Um, so I've also printed off a bunch of wound trackers. Um, most actually, no, sorry, not wound trackers. Um, uh, it's a little, a little box kind of chart kind of thing where I can use dice to track command points and um, uh, objective points. Um, there's some fake dice type little things, so I can kind of pull my little fake dices. Uh, Warcry, there's some cool ones for Warcry as well. So much for Warcry. So there's heaps of like point trackers and um, and and tools like that too um, for in-game use. So there's heaps right. of stuff. Type in Sigma, yeah. type in Warhammer, type in, um, type in a Warcry. bunch of different keywords, Warcry, and it just comes up with Shades so much fire. cool stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, there's a ton of stuff. Cool. Good question. Liam, sorry. I'm sure you got more questions you want to ask. I've got that a was... couple left. Um, this one's really good from Aaron Bastian. Shout out to Boss Bosso. Uh, do you guys ever miss doing controversial, uh, conventional terrain building, except for the painting? 3D printing terrain seems a sterile process. Does it provide the same satisfaction as melting foam and hairdryer or sanding a surface smeared with PVC glue and water? Who says now, you Anthony, don't have to do both? Yeah, I, mean, I was about to say, I've seen both of you guys, I'm pretty sure, do this. Like, you add bases to your prints. Yes, yes. Uh, so to, to more set it in the scene, I think it needs a base. And for it to actually be playable on, because a lot of, again, a building is not going to provide cover, and you still want something to provide cover on some of these things. So having a base yeah. or, like, a ruined windmill or a water mill, a, a nice pond, that the the wheel is in you know with some resin there um also i find certain things in my opinion aren't worth printing uh, because the time investment in printing it is not worth it like if mm -hmm. i want to do a rock outcropping or a large hill or something like that, it's not worth printing it'll take me 20 hours and i can build it in foam in 10 minutes yeah. it's not yeah. worth it yeah. uh, uh, uh craters even unless i'm doing something special around the crater it's not worth it to me. I can build the crater so much easier and faster the conventional way. So there's no reason why you can't do both. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I still do both. I still do both. Um, I, I guess it comes down to what you're trying to strive for and, and the investment in time. And, you know, I could 3d print like, like little stone hinges. It's not really worth it. Um, 
it's not really worth it. I could be spending more time on super detailed, intricate things like, you know, this chaos, this chaos tower you can see behind me, you know, this elven, you know, this elven uh, library. There's all this cool stuff that is just like a time trade off. That's much more worth my time. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Sick. And then um, is there any or cleanup and trimming to do when it comes to yes. painting? So, yeah. So is there like, how does the cleaning compare to working with resin models? Like, you know how we have to like so, wash them and stuff? So like Forge World like, kind yeah, of resin? So, yeah. Yeah, so if you're talking resin printing with like a resin printer because you're printing miniatures, yeah, you have to UV cure it and and wash it in acetone and all this other stuff. In what we're doing with terrain, it's different. You don't actually have to wash, uh, in my opinion, and, and Anthony might do something else, but I, I, you don't actually have to wash it before you prime it. Cleanup, now there is some cleanup. Like you would clean up mold lines on a model, you will yeah. get uh, what what are commonly referred to as like a zipper line on a uh, a 3D printed where it starts and stops in the same point each time, so it stacks a little dot from where it starts. Yeah. Or um, sometimes you'll get if it's crossing a large span, you'll get a little bit of stringing that you can just take a, a, a hair dryer, heat gun, just a quick pass over, and it'll melt that away. Um, depending on the overhang of something, you'll get a little nodule of of fill in here or there that you just take an exacto and knock off. So there's a little yeah. bit. Of of cleaning up still, but not like the washing kind of thing right now. Like that. Okay. No, cool. no. There's, there's, there's very little. Um, I print my things with a, a skirt, um, which basically means when it, when the nozzle comes down for the first time, it creates like a little um, a protection barrier around it. And it just it helps with the anti-slip. So that's, that's another small little piece as well. Uh, I don't know, Anthony, if you do that. The, but the, this has got a skirt on it my, here, so it just sits on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. there you go. So the, this goes down, and then this, and this will actually pull off in the end, and that'll be a because I'm not great at skirts, I'll be honest. That's the only machine I print with a skirt on is the Ender because I mean, I'm not the greatest with my Ender, I'll be honest. Uh, I mean, it fight, but that's because I put a uh, magnetic bed on it for doing yeah. certain things and. It's a little bit un unlevel in certain spots, so I do a skirt on that, um, which uh, makes adhering things a lot better. But yeah, so you get a little bit of cleanup time, but again, it's no different than cleaning up a plastic model, uh, just an exacto knife and a quick, and you're good to go, and then hit it with a primer. Yeah, couple couple of questions I'm going to pull up from the chat. I think there's some good ones there. Um, so Jonathan, we, we kind of answered, uh, just in case you, you've jumped in late, where are good places to download STLs from? Um, so certainly there is Thingiverse, which is a free website. Uh, enjoy it to your heart's content. You have things like Kickstarter. Kickstarter is a wonderful place to get uh, a lot of files at a, a very cheap price. Uh, one that launched just the other day is called EC3D. Um, put up uh, a Winterdale one, which is a very fast awesome. kind of like, reminds me very of Beast Claw Raider kind of feel, but it's actually drawn from inspiration from Dungeons and Dragons. The, the, there's yeah. very, a lot of cool stories. So it was like 30 bucks Australian and I'm getting all this terrain very cool. Um, there are places like print, Printable Scenery who not only do Kickstarters, but they also sell their files post um, the event. So places like uh, like Printable Sceneries is amazing. They've got, you know, dwarf themed, elf themed, uh, ancient stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff. And 40K um, stuff up the wazoo too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So like, this, yeah, obviously we're a Sigma show, but yes, definitely there's 40K yeah. stuff. There's, uh, there's skirmish stuff, like Batman stuff and bolt action yeah. stuff. And then the last thing is I'd probably call out is um, 
There are places like um, Patreon where people like 3D hexes. Um, there's a lot of cool guys out there who, who for, for a couple of dollars a month, um, will provide you a bunch of terrain uh, that that in a month or two later they might sell individually. Um, yeah. But you probably find that the five bucks at Patreon goes a long way as opposed to yeah. buying an individual file, which might cost five bucks anyway. So that's yeah. some nice places. Sick. Um, another question. Um, do you want to read this one out? Uh, are there any downsides of printing your own terrain? There have been a lot of discussion on the pros. What are the cons? Cons, you can print a lot more than you can paint sometimes. And you start wanting more and more printers because you find more and more files. Other than that, I can't see of any cons to, to 3D printing terrain, personally. Yeah. Um, my my wife um, <laughs> has been a con. No, no, I could uh, wow. find. She, she can find plenty. She, she won't leave me. No, no. In all seriousness, my, <laughs> my wife has been very supportive. Uh, and she, she uh, has been great. Um, the, I guess the, and I, and I mentioned the wife is because it was a, the initial outlay to buy these machines were quite significant. You know, this yeah. is 500 bucks potentially. Um, if you're something like Anthony, you could be spending more. Um, now that is my hobby. That's a new army. Uh, that could be a brand new army for me, um, in Sigma or whatever I'm playing. So, um, depending on what your disposable income's like, yeah. like, do you have that money to trade off? Um, yeah. Uh, that's the, probably the biggest con. I think the, 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 while that is a con and, and the, in the moment where my sheet machine doesn't work, I want to, I want to cry. I want to punch it. I want to throw it away. Yeah. I get upset, but uh, what, that, that's such a like 1% in my life. Um, yeah. the joy that I've get, and I'll give you an example of a joy. Um, uh, I've recently sponsored, um, the Runax Wargaming, which is a team's event happening in November in Australia. And I'm donating a table worth of terrain for Gabe. Um, that's something that's, and, and I've offered that to Measured Gaming for for Bush Bonanza next year. And I'm going to start offering that to other Australian and maybe even New Zealand um, events um, who yeah. may not get, be able to get Games Workshop sponsorship or, you know, the struggles of getting terrain is quite hard. So uh, if you are in Australia and you do want some terrain, um, I will sponsor you, your event. Um, and that's something that I'm able to give give back for, for nothing really it's it's a couple of dollars uh yeah. and i'm able to help the community have better tables to play on I've whether said, i'm attending or not i've said the same thing to quite a few tos here or there um if anybody asks me i'm usually willing to donate a centerpiece of terrain for a table or two here or there uh which can go a long way to making tables look better all people have yeah. to do is ask and like i said i'm pretty generous with my printing in general because I, I like seeing good tables and I, I think it enriches the hobby. Yeah. I yeah. uh, Tristan's um, asked how much would it cost? I think if I was to charge as a business, uh, maybe 200 bucks. Cause that's two, the cover time. Was it yeah. Like, time? If, like, if, like if I was a business, if I was a business, um, and I was charging, uh, look, it's probably half the price of what you'd pay at a, um, a retailer, but, um, yeah. You've like, got cooler models. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, it'd probably be about two fifty if you were to say, Anthony, I want to buy a table off you. But yeah, um, yeah. So, like, being able to give back or being able to um, create tokens and um, you know movement trays and um, other gaming accessories. And over time, you know, someone asked me, like Ben Spinetti asked me uh, about he wanted to create like you know um, some boardwalks for his like uh, his uh, Deepkin army, like for some uh... terrain. 
Now, he it, could either build them with matchsticks, but, like, I can do simple things like that as well at no cost. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Spinetti, just letting anyone know, if anyone knows who Spinetti is, hashtag shark meta, he's made a sushi bar out of GW terrain. That's awesome. He made a sushi bar. And you know the octopus guy from Lotan? Mm-hmm. He's the chef. That's amazing. That I'm is amazing. This. So he's, he's, he's <laughs> I need me pictures the, of this. <laughs> he showed me work in progress. And I was like, you've actually made a sushi bar. And I said, one, I'm really worried about you. He goes, why? And I said, the amount of spare time you have to make a sushi bar out of GW terrain is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, 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 and by the way, we're not here to say don't buy GW terrain. Please do. Oh, yeah, that, no. that is not what we're saying no. here. But but instead of filling your table up with um, uh, what what I often see, which is only Azerite ruins and only um, Realm gates, because they're the cheapest things you can fill yes. your table with, you're able to create diversity and interesting themes by supplementing it or having a combination. I still have so much GW terrain, oh, and yeah. I will still buy GW terrain. It's just that instead of having the same stuff constantly, I'm able to uh, do other things as well. Just, just quickly, their new terrain kits are beautiful. Straight oh, yeah. out of the back. Oh, God, yeah. And, like, and that's like, the biggest thing. Please buy their terrain. They make some amazing kits, but I don't want to see every table look the same is my thing. So I, like you were saying, diversity. We, I want to sparse their stuff in with mine because they do have amazing stuff, but I just want – more stuff than just the same table over and over and over again. Um, I want unique experiences. 3D Hex has said, half seriously, you probably don't want to own a 3D printer if you're a cat person and you have six cats. Cool. Well, first <laughs> off, if you're a cat person, you're the wrong person. Dogs are the best. Preferably big heads, short nose dogs. That's yeah. Just, Shout out to the staffies and the doggos of the world. Uh, yes. Yep. I, so, I mean, um, <laughs> I had to get... I had to put down my one pit. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm happy right now. That's all right. And we uh, just adopted I, another one. But, 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 but actually, that raises a really good point. So um, if you are, do have a cat, or maybe you live in an area where the temperature does drop or you have, you know, um, a space that, you know, um, is not a consistent environment, you can buy you can buy or even create little cases that Close go around it, like a little enclosure that yeah. allows you to keep the same temperature, uh, maybe keeps your cat out of it. Uh, or your children away from it. I was just about um, to say, my four-year-old runs to my printers all the time to see what's on there that she might want to touch. And I, no, 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 no. You know, but yeah. but but, um, it, but my wife actually comes in often and, and wants to. She's actually generally curious to see what I'm printing, um, and she'll come in and watch it, which is really cool because it's it's a very interesting mechanic that something's being created in front of your eyes. Every yeah. time when I've come over, Anthony, your prints are always going on, and I'm always intrigued on like what the hell you're printing. Like, I mean, it's insane. My wife hates my hobby. She could care less about any of it. But she even, when I finish a print and I put it on my, my turntable to, to shoot a small video for Twitter, she's always like, wow, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's a cool piece. Like, she always has to look at it because it's just, it's amazing of, of the stuff you can print. Yeah. Um, um, Jonathan what asked, filament breads? Yeah, what filament? So, uh, so uh, being Australian-based, um, I, I use PLA+. Plus. That is the type of material uh, the business that I prefer to do business with is a company called 3D Phillies. Um, and they, I think, a Melbourne-based company. Their prices are very good. Uh, they, their product is very good. Um, overall, I'm very happy with them. And I've, I've probably spent 500 bucks this year already on filament. 
uh, with those guys. So that would be my Australian um, recommendation. Um, Anthony, um, you're... For the US, US, yeah, I prefer in the US a company called Ziltech. They're based out of Texas. Um, it's a, an American-based company, a small operation, but they put out good stuff. Uh, I've had nothing but great luck with their, their filaments, and the price is really good. Um, for the quality that I get, like I said, their average is $13 a roll, uh, and they always, like every two, three weeks, they're having a 12, 15, 19% off sale off of your order, so you can get it down to almost 10 bucks a roll. Um, and they just started doing, you can see there, that's a five kilogram roll, which is, uh, let me tell you, it's cool up until the last kilogram, which is just wound too tight. It becomes a nightmare and you have to figure out a whole new way, but that's all new. And they just released, which I just got two rolls in, rainbow filament, which yeah. I'm excited to print some stuff and I've actually, been waiting. That's actually a really good point. So there are different colors that you can do these in. So uh, I like to go with stock gray because it allows me to see detail and um, my primer. But I know, Anthony, you do some very interesting colors. So I choose color. Everybody asks me, like, why do you do colors? And uh, why is your building three different colors? Well, uh, one, I choose colors because uh, pretty much everything I print just because people enjoy seeing it in the community. I take a small video of and put it up on uh, Twitter and the colored filaments show the detail on the, the small filming better than black and white do. Um, and some grays, a lighter gray works good, but a darker gray, you really, you lose a lot of the detail. So I like the colors too. Uh, I just like color. I mean, you can, I'm, I just like, like colors. So that's cool. And why do I have models that are three or four different colors? Because I have three printers going and sometimes I'll have a different piece on each one or, uh, you know, when a, a roll runs out, I'll switch to a different color to finish out that one so it's yeah. it's all the same material you can get transparent ones you can get wood wood filament as well there's a lot of cool choices you can get into um, some exotic stuff i actually have a roll down there that i'm going to use soon it's a uh, iron based pla so it has some iron filings in the plastic to make it magnetic so i'm going to print some movement trays that will be magnetic with my models um which Sorry. requires a little bit of uh, tinkering with the machine, but I'm set up for doing that, so it's fine. Okay, be cool. Um, so, WSORN, um, with the initial outlay being that high, at what point do you think the benefit for the printing of terrain outweighs the cost of buying it? And, and, the, reason, and the reason he asked and then, is this, this part. I love it. I'm asking because, because my mic forward. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so the initial outlay can be a little bit expensive, but it doesn't have to be super expensive. Like, uh, again, it depends on, I'll talk American dollars because I don't know the conversion for Australian, but like an Ender 3, if you don't get a pro, regular Ender 3, you can pick up on Amazon right now uh, with prime shipping for about $180 US, shipped to you next day. Add in, uh, if, if you talk to me, I will tell you buy two or three extra parts um, because you'll want to make these couple things right off the rip, in my opinion. And for... $220 US, um, you can have a printer that's ready to go buy your brand of filament. So spend another 10 to 15 bucks for a single roll of filament and you're good to go. I make cool. that outlay one time though. Um, and then, yeah, I'll be buying some files, but I, I will then own the digital file forever and I can yeah. print it as many times as I want. So my, yeah. you know, I don't know, $1,300, $1,500 in printers 
have probably printed, if you were to go buy terrain, three to four thousand dollars of terrain this year alone. Yeah. Uh, let alone yeah. what I've done last year and what I continue to do. Yeah. I might actually just quickly flip to myself for a second. I'm going to show you some of the terrain that I literally have around myself. I, have, I haven't moved from my, my, but I've just grabbed a bunch of stuff that can show you what you can do. So, statue that I've got. Um, this will be a scatter piece for Sydney GT. I think it's come up quite well. Um, yeah, sick. I've made it this, uh, like this uh, death, I guess, death skull. I know, Liam, you're painting um, a, a couple of these for let me, me. Let me just quickly uh, grab how they turn out paint-wise. Yeah, go, go, go grab yours. Well, I'm going to keep showing off some of the things that I've done recently. So this is like a death, like a skull uh, piece, which is really cool. Awesome. Um, this was, that's a really cool piece that can be used for death or for chaos. Um, a set of rib cages is a whole bunch of like monstrous type of rib cages that I've just put on. Uh, Bosso had asked about basing. Well, I've based it on a piece of MDF. Um, something that Ben Spinetti has painted for me is this um, Aztec kind of temple, uh, which I think has come up really nice. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I've printed, and literally, this is just what I've grabbed from around myself. There's my, my room is literally filled because of the GT. Obviously, that, oh, that, that chaos awesome. castle. So yeah, let me just, let me just bring up when, when Anthony gave it to me, I was like, what the hell is this? This is like a stone statue kind of thing that I realized that this is actually ghostly spirits kind of thing. So yeah. they're actually like coming out of the ground. So on the tables, they will look that, like they're literally coming out of the ground. That is awesome. Yeah. So, there is so much cool stuff. So like, I guess the question is, how do you put an ROI on that? Yeah. And, um, like, can I say painting this makes me want to get a 3D printer or get Anthony to literally print stuff out for me because you look at it and your imagination go wild on like what you can do painting wise with it. So for me, I feel like the 3D printing when it comes to painting, which is like my favorite part of the hobby, it just pushes you to limits of imagination of what to do. So and, yeah. If, and if you're on Jeff Twitter. Go ahead, go ahead, Coach. No, I was going to pull up the comment that um, Sergeant Death's put up as well. He goes, I've painted one of those skull rocks for Anthony, and they're amazingly detailed considering they're painted. And I think um, this goes back to it. It's it's actually, when you primed it, it's pretty hard to tell the difference between a plastic yeah. resin or actually printed piece. Like, like they're actually quite good. Yeah. Printing yeah. has come a long way. And, with again, with the right layer height and the settings, once you're dialed into printing – which doesn't take as long as a lot of people think, just a couple prints to get yourself going. You can really make some nice stuff. Um, what I was going to say is uh, if, if that looks right, if that uh, is actually on everybody's screen, that's my, my Twitter handle. Oh. If you go to my Twitter, not that I'm plugging myself, but no, uh, plug, plug, you, plug. It's, it's not because there's nothing to really plug. But if you go there and you want to see some printed stuff, I, I like I said, I put up a video probably once a week, twice a week of, what I've printed um, and I always have some GW models in there so that you can reference scale. So, I mean, I've always got like, you know, a storm cast and, you know, a, a, a savage orc in there. So you can see the size of the buildings uh, rather than just out in space. Yeah. Uh, and once you get that kind of scale and you just look at some of those that I've put up recently, you'll, you can understand printing it, it far outweighs what uh, long-term the initial outlay of cost. And it's a lot of fun. I've just found a couple more pieces around me. So I've got this dwarven, <laughs> dwarven temple, um, which is could be like a dwarven realm gate. Um, this little fish temple, I love this piece. It's going to be on my deepkin um, yes. tables. And I also got like these monster like rib cages that'll be a bit more sea kind of sea monster kind of ribs. And there are more pieces to go with that. But again, like your imagine just goes absolutely wild. If you're talking about immersion in wargaming or 
uh, Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, a general miniature gaming, uh, you play multiple systems or maybe play one system yeah. like me, which is Sigma. Um, uh, it's it's a great it's a great hobby to be in. I call it a hobby because 3D printing I think is a hobby. I check I check uh, all of my favorite Patreons and Kickstarters and and websites to see what the latest uh, ideas are. I can't wait to print off like these um, Beast Claw Raider type t tables. I, I want to find I want to find Slanesh type things. I want to find stuff for the Realm of Light. There's so much cool stuff that. Um, I can't wait for my players to start playing on and um, taking great pictures because they put all the effort and time into having beautiful armies. They've spent so much money to buy their models. I want them to have a great experience and have great pictures with models and terrain that supports their hobby. Um, so that's why I'm like, I'm very passionate about this. Me too. At NashCon this year, we had, uh, and if anybody, not just to plug him either, but if you go on YouTube or, uh, Twitch and check out the Honest War Gamer. They streamed uh, the five games from NashCon Live, and each game had my terrain on the stream. And like the first two games uh, were the Elven terrain, and the whole table was Elven terrain. Um, they did one with the Dwarven terrain, and the whole table is Dwarven terrain. Um, uh, they did one; it's all ruined terrain, you know. And it just goes on and on. And we had so I bought um, from Fat Matt, you know, a, a water mat. And I'm doing a bunch of just what will be on sandy bases for, you know, uh, sea-style terrain, uh, Atlantean-style. Like, you can have I just, all these I, 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 just, I, I just bought um, uh, I bought six mats from Deep Cut for Sydney GT, and one of them is a beach. So it's like a little bit yeah. of a beachfront, and then it goes yes. into a bit of water. So yep. that type of stuff. And, you know, my boy 3D Hex, who's just said Cities of Sigma, that's going to be great for those medieval houses or, you know, yes. castle forts. That, you know, uh, he put up a Patreon poll the other day and he asked, you know, what should I print? And I harassed him and said, Egyptian, Egyptian. I was thinking of my boy Tristan yes. and, you know, Randy, my the guys who want Egyptian terrain. But, you know, there's just lots of cool stuff. But anyway. Like, I'm, Egyptian I'm, stuff is awesome for so Seraphim too. I'm excited. I hope I hope you guys feel the excitement. I'm like, yeah. literally the minute I get off here, I'm going back to put on those machines because um, uh, I've got a lot of printing to do. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, and it just never ends. But I love it. It it really is so satisfying and so much fun. And big shout to my boy Blandy or Randy as well, who's a huge Tomb Kings player. But again, there's just so much variety. There is. Cool. I think we've got all the questions out. Oh, the last question I'm gonna I'm just gonna wrap up with by the looks of it is uh Jonathan's asked about um about uh avoiding filament lines. And, um, and and smoothing those prints. So we kind of touched yeah. on it a little bit. Um, Anthony, yeah. do you want to tackle this one? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I honestly don't believe you will ever completely get rid of layer lines, but you can mitigate them tremendously uh, by changing the, the layer height that you print in. So FDM style printing, what we, we print in on our printers, it just puts layer on top of layer on top of layer of plastic and you can adjust the height of each one of those layers. And the smaller you get, the tighter they're stacked, the less you'll see. And then using a high build primer um, that's designed for like an automotive high build, sandable primer, or even uh, a lot of people have good luck. And I have decent success with um, uh, the Rust-Oleum camo primers that fills in a lot of that. Um, and if, but if you really need something even, even more, uh, <laughs> Uh, if you need something even even more detailed and you want to make sure they're gone, you can 
use something like a liquid green stuff or a plastic putty or an acetone to smooth it out. There, there are ways to completely smooth it. Yeah. Yeah, Sick. agreed. And and you can use, um, you can also use uh, like fine grit sandpaper to kind of um, uh, grind it down a little bit. Uh, or as we've said, use a lighter to kind of uh, pick up little pieces. Uh, but uh, I think with the layer height, um, it's very hard to see. And it's also a trade-off. Like, you know, if I'm doing a tournament, uh, is it that important to have, you know, uh, it's very rare to see. Uh, but if I was doing my personal terrain and I've got all the time in the world, then it's fine. Yeah. And there's, once it's painted, I mean, even the, the small amount of layer lines you see, I have never had anybody complain about them. And uh, Vince Venturella has... You know, one of my pieces on his display board for his Slanesh, and one of them is actually the base for his uh, Archeon uh, Slanesh or whatever it was. So uh, Oscar Lars just took one uh, and put it on his display base at Nova or, uh, that I printed for him. So uh, if those world-class painters seem to make it work okay, I think I think you can make it look pretty dang good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh and the last question I've got just from Twitter, which was from Overdrive Active, he had asked, um, is there any applications to assist or plugins that can help break up the model? Um, so a lot of a lot of people who create models will actually, or, or, or files, will actually cut them up, or it's a term called splicing. So they'll cut up the model for a small printer or a large printer. So often that uh, has already happened. Um, however, there is software. Uh, I don't personally use it. I haven't found a need to splice just yet. Anthony, you might have one that allows you to cut up models or reduce things that you don't want uh, if you want to go down that route. I don't use it because I haven't had a need for it because, uh, like you said, most of the people you're getting files from have pre-cut these files to make it very user-friendly and easy. Um, there is one file when I, I was talking about earlier, I was thinking about a resin printer. Um, and because they are a small, small build volume, I did a little research into some programs that could cut up some files that would to make them uh, fit on that resin printer. Uh, and there are some free ones out there. There's some pay ones. And uh, all the research I did shows me that they're pretty easy also. So if that's something that you may need, uh, it's not a concern that you should worry about. You can get that done relatively easy. All right. Uh, literally about to wrap it up because Jacob Berry has been in the chat doing shit talk, but he actually has a real question. So Jacob Berry from that's my boy and that's what he does from shout out to the rage of Sigma crew, absolute Kings of shit talk. Uh, my, my favorite, well, I'm their favorite dweller, which is always, uh, yeah. confu confuse the shit out of me at Adepticon. Uh, <laughs> but I, I now understand and appreciate and respect and love them. Uh, but Jacob has asked, uh, 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 have you tried using Art Cloak Gloss Coat um, to even out the layers um, to kind of avoid those mold lines and seams? I have not, but uh, him and I were actually talking about this this morning because I have a couple pieces I'm, I'm going to be printing for his uh, co-host, uh, Joe Pagano, for a display board for CanCon uh, next year, uh, 2020. He's coming out to you know, be a for nation. You know, I could have just printed it out and have it for him. Honestly, I thought about that, but he wants he's got that he needs it all paint wants it all painted and everything to match. He's got some stuff he's gonna do. Uh I, I don't want to spoil and say what it is, but there might be one thing I'm gonna be printing over your shoulder in this shot right now that he wants me to uh to print for for his display board. Um and 
certain things take to 3D printing a little bit better. Some of those files can be a little bit weird with the way the, the points come up on some yeah. bone material and you want them to be a little bit smoother. Um, so I think with a lower layer height and then something like a gloss coat or, or gloss varnish, I think you can fill in some of those with it, just like you would a mold line in a, uh, in a model. So I think it will work. Uh, I have not tested it, but I do believe it will. All right, I've got, a, I've got a quick question that Cameron King's just asked about, and I'm going to show off a piece to end up in the show. All right. This bad boy. There you go. Oh, fuck. So, <laughs> it's called the Hell Spike, and as you can see, it is absolutely crazy big. Uh, that is probably... That's one of my biggest pieces. I've got a couple of those. They'll be my centerpiece boards. And imagine if you had a bigger printer. You could print well, bigger. yeah, maybe, maybe. But either way, uh, that is probably my biggest piece to date, although those um, those libraries the, are quite large. So either way, lots of cool big stuff, lots of cool small stuff, lots of accessories, lots of different things that you can print. Uh, I hope uh, you are not as excited as Liam is right now uh, people in the chat think that he's held I'm, hostage. I think it's more jealousy of the amazingness that is 3D printing. I am actually jealous. And also you got me out of bed like 10 hours early. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got you out of bed for, for a 10 a.m. start. My gosh. Um, That's early for me. I'm nocturnal. You know this. Um, <laughs> nah, like honestly, I'm just amazed by like how much knowledge you guys have, especially since I've known Magro for a while and then he bought a 3d printer like last year and then like all this information i was like what the hell like but yeah it's insane so and i'm also really jealous and i'm actually right as we speak now i'm actually shopping for 3d printers and also looking at things to print or ask magra to print magra already sent you like two things <laughs> I, did, I did he's already sent me like a really cool uh like a almost like a dagger combat gauge for war like, Cry. so there's lots of cool yeah. stuff. But, but i don't want to use it for war cry because it's eight inches or like six inches and it's really good just to like be like, oh, I'm movement five or something. So you just pull it mm -hmm. out instead of like getting your tape measure being like, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's really cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, there's heaps of cool stuff. Uh, lot, uh, look, there's a lot of cool things. Some people have asked me in the chat, uh, will I put up some links to some of these resources we've referred to? Absolutely. Uh, I'll go in and I'll grab some stuff like that video to set up your end of three, like yeah. some of my favorite Patreons and Kickstarters and, um, some websites. I think, you know, to get started, there's a lot of cool places. I think part of the enjoyment is the exploration and finding things and um, and getting involved in these Facebook groups as well. There are people sharing their their latest works, people who are sharing what they've printed and their tips and tricks, and you got to get stuck. You can ask questions. Um, yeah, I think it's great a great time to be in the hobby. Uh, find someone who has a 3D printer, go to a library, uh, or hit up someone like myself or Anthony or I'm sure there's plenty of people that we can help refer if you want to get started, but maybe you don't have the money just yet and you are like Liam, you just want to get someone print something for you. Yeah, I, I literally actually don't have the room. Like I physically don't have the room. And the last time when I bought something like an airbrush, I threw it out the wall. So I feel like the 3D printer, if it breaks, I will throw it out the wall. Yeah, so, don't do that. Not a good idea. Just so, go throw yeah. that out there. <laughs> All right, so to wrap up the show, um, Anthony, you've mentioned where people can find you. Uh, do you want to give any any last quick shouts or anything you want to share? Uh, no, just uh, if you check my Twitter every now and then, you'll see some cool stuff printing, but that's about it. Uh, uh, thank you for having me on. 
I highly recommend Anytime. that you follow Crazy Horse. It is uh, one of my favorite Twitter handles because he's just sharing some cool stuff and inspiring me to to do better at this. Uh, I'm like, man, why can't I do more like him? So uh, it's almost like I'm chasing chasing this this drug. Um, Jacob Berry, because he's happy to join the show. I'm going to give him a shout. Shout. Shout to the Rage Fuck. of Sigma. Uh, these guys are the best shit talkers in the game, but they also play really well. So... Uh, but you, you well, get there for the shit talks. Jacob plays really well. Joe's not not so great, but they are lovely guys. Don't let their uh, <laughs> their podcast fool you. They are actually really sweet, generous, and fantastic guys to hang out with. And if you're ever at an event with them and want a party, they are where the party's at. I promise yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm scared for them coming to Australia. Also, shouts to uh, Mr. <laughs> Mephisto and Tristan as well, who uh, did a really cool video yesterday. Um, so lots of cool stuff happening. Um, it's great. Liam, thanks for getting up at 10 o'clock in the morning to to, to join us. Uh, it's always <laughs> you, have no idea, you, have, you have no idea actually how hard it was to get out of bed. <laughs> oh, my I, God. I literally but, woke up. I was like, oh, this is... The life of a young person with no commitments. Yeah, right. I uh, if only the days. I have days. work. I have oh, work. Okay. And yesterday I got a 6 a.m. call time. I turned up and I was the only one there at 6 a.m. And I was fuming. because like, Life, life is hard for Liam. He's really, yeah. really tough. Well, that's, really that's why he has cats. So he, he doesn't have to walk them like a dog in the morning. As Jacob says, stuff like that. As Jacob says, I am the number one dweller. I even though I don't know that I was a dweller, but I'm a number one dweller. And Anthony is the number one in Detroit. And 3D Hex is four o'clock. So thanks for joining. Guys, let's wrap yes. this up. Let's let yes, Anthony, you've got a tournament to run tomorrow. Liam, you've got I to do. take photos of sexy women um, for your job. Uh, please upgrade some more stuff on job. Insta. The fuck? You know, his, his, Insta, his Insta is off the charts. I love Liam's Insta. He needs to shoot more, uh, put some more stuff up there. Guys, it's been a pleasure. I'm just waiting for um, magazines to hurry up and publish my work so then I can do that for you. So, yeah, that's why. All right. And, and apologies to David, who's literally joining as we're wrapping up. But it's two hours of goodness that I'm sure you can pick up uh, when the replay comes up in a matter of minutes. Guys, thank you very much for joining this show. I hope you found this useful. I hope you are interested in joining the 3D printing community. If you have any questions, you know where to find us. I will put some stuff in the channel below uh, to, if you want to find some of these links that we are fans of, and I'm sure Anthony will send me some links as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm losing my voice. It's lunchtime. Guys, have a great rest of your week. Take it easy. Peace. Be good. Bye.